We are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 68. I love you now die. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so before we get into this crazy shenanigan of a story, uh, we do have some business. We got kind of a lot of business to talk about. We've got some shout outs. We got a listener tale. Um, we've got some other things, uh, discord and things so like that. So if you don't like the business, just skip ahead. Give us like yep. 10 to 15 minutes, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then you can hear the story, but first and foremost, we must shout out our friend, Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy's the man. Okay. He is the man. He's the man. Jeremy messaged us on Instagram and he heard that we were needing some help and probably saw that we were needing some help. <laughs> he didn't just hear about it. <laughs> no. Uh, with our graphics for the show. And he offered very generously to help us out with that. Uh, so he is um, doing our graphics for each episode. He did his first one that he did was on Dr. Death. And it looks amazing. It's I'm so awesome. impressed. Yeah, was, it turned so out impressed. really well. <laughs> it did. I was above and beyond uh, my expectation, and which I mean, my expectation is the ones I did, which is not good. But his are great. <laughs> yes, his are awesome. And he has been doing this kind of graphic stuff for a while. And you can go show Jeremy some love on Instagram at Rust Hate Seventy Seven. And we just really wanted to tell everybody how much we appreciate him because that's very kind. And yeah, just to, you know, to, to reach out and, and see if we needed help. And we do. We did. Yeah. We probably like not in that area now, but in general, yeah. any help. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought it was really cool that, like you said, he heard that. George was doing his um, other podcast and wasn't doing the graphics for this one right now. And that he took the initiative and just messaged to see that. I mean, that's just really nice. And it then is. two, he's awesome. So bonus. <laughs> bonus. Definitely. So, uh, so just, I just want to say, keep putting that positivity out in the world. If you can help yeah. somebody help them. Um, it means a lot. We really does. appreciate it. <laughs> it does. So uh, thank you again to Jeremy. Um, real quick. Also, we'd like to take a minute to thank Deanne. Uh, she was actually featured on our victims rights episode. Uh, she used to be murdered by design and had to go and do a name change just, you know, to, to kind of change things up a bit. So she is now shiver and spice, which I love that name. Yeah, that's awesome. She can be found on Instagram. She also, I believe, still has a store. If not, one is coming soon. Um, but you can find her on Instagram. And she's got awesome. I got bookmarks from her. I have stickers from her. Um, I've got all kinds of stuff. And she's she's amazing. I have these really cool wooden ornaments that she, like, burned images on. They're hanging in my car. They're actually, like, tree ornaments. But... I have a scream one and leather face and she's just amazing, an amazing person. And she too um, has been helping us with some ideas and we, we are just very blessed with the people and the listeners and the friends that we've made doing this and we mm -hmm. need to support her and her small business. So go, go buy some stuff. 
check her out. Check her out. She's awesome. So um, I'll let Rachel read this story, um, but my I just want to set it up here. So on Instagram, we love connecting with people. So please comment. Um, we will always write you back. And mm-hmm. we had posted our episode Urban Legends and it, it had Goatman's Bridge on it. And this, um, this lady, Sarah, messaged us saying that she grew up there. She's visited there several times and she shared her story and her experience with us. And I asked if she, you know, if we could share it on the show, she said, yes. So Rachel, why don't you share um, Sarah's experience? Yeah. So Sarah said, so I'm pretty sure I was in middle school when we started to visit Goatman's Bridge or Old Alton. Also, fun fact, the original bridge that is blocked off now is where her dad proposed to her mom. So that's cute. That's so cute. Yeah. Anyway, the first time, I'm going to read in first person as her now. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. the first time we went, I was with three other people, and at first, nothing seemed weird or spooky. After a while of goofing around, a friend of mine lifted me up and held me above the water over the bridge. As I was hanging there, I heard singing very faint and sounded like an old song or nursery rhyme. I also saw red eyes in the water. I freaked out and demanded to be helped back to the bridge. This was enough to make us leave. However, years later, I went back with one other person. We ended up seeing Goatman with a lantern. This was even before the legends and stories were told to us. We later found out that Goatman had been a black man living out there that was lynched by the KKK. Nothing truly bad happened to me or anyone that I know of. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, that's spooky. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really cool story. And then also, I just really love hearing about places that people have been that we're talking about. Because Mm -hmm. you don't hear, like, we're not going to read Sarah's story on, you know, the internet Um, it's cool to actually like get to talk to people about their real stories, um, of places that they've been and seen and things that have happened to them. So thanks for reaching out, Sarah. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So I further asked Sarah because in the episode that we did, it said that goat man sometimes is perceived as like a half man, half goat creature. So I mm-hmm. asked her if it was actually like a goat man that she was seeing, or if it was just a man. And she said it was just a man. Right. Um, so I thought that that was interesting too, but yeah, Sarah, you're awesome. Thank you so much yeah, for sharing you. and letting us share with everybody, uh, your experience. If anybody has any other experiences on anything that we talked about or just something spooky, that they want to tell us, please do. Um, yeah. We, you can email us at mysteryhistorypod at gmail.com. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram on anchor there. And I think on Instagram, there's a handy tool where you can actually leave us a voice message. And we've had some people in the past leave us messages, but we, I really like to hear other people talking and telling their tales. So if you've got a tail, yeah. send it to us. Or if you just want to say, Hey girl, say, Hey girl. And yeah. we will play it on the show. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, so like always like share, subscribe our stuff. We would appreciate that. And our stickers are in. Yeah, they're in and they look nice. They're very nice. They do. They are very nice stickers. 
and they are available for purchase. Three dollars. You can pick from whatever style you want. If you could, it, I sent all the ones out of people that have requested them so far. So whenever you get your stickers, if you could just send a, a selfie with you and your sticker, and yeah. I'd love to see it. We would love to see it. Yes, tag us. Tag us. And right now we're doing a special. And if you join our Patreon at any tier, the $2 or the $5, you will get a sticker for free, yeah. which, which is a good deal quite the deal <laughs> because we have what like 45 episodes of patreon that you would get yeah. all of those episodes plus a five dollars you know a three dollar sticker yeah for free you're definitely getting your money's worth with that and rachel why don't you um talk about our discord so there are money moves being made on the discord i think that with all these new streams that we've got on there the new channels i don't know what they're called Woo, yeah, channels, I think. <laughs> the channels, <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> with the new channels that are being added on, it gives us an opportunity to talk even more with everybody. Um, one of the things I noticed right when I started getting on the Mystery History Podcast Discord is that like all the conversation was in one place. And if I didn't look at the Discord for, you know, a day, you could be far out from where you would want to be responding to someone. So there are some new channels in there, suggestions for books, movies. Um, and then, you know, we can talk about books and movies that are being read in there. Um, meetup destinations, which is something that we are, we've been talking a lot about in the last week, um, trying to figure out what we can do for a meetup. Um, so get in there, give us your ideas, talk to us. Um, so go check it out because it's definitely growing and changing and fun. So get yep. in there and talk to us. <laughs> I'm super excited about the meetup. Um, we are going to be doing a meetup sometime this year. Um, yeah. We just don't know exactly where it is yet. Uh, uh, Waverly or Hills. Is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, somewhere in the span of this year, we're hoping um, that we had talked about Waverly Hills. I called Waverly Hills. They're booked up um, mm -hmm. till the end of the year. So that's something we could book for 2022. If you yeah. guys would be interested in that, we need at least 10 people mm -hmm. and it's going to be an overnight stay. So mm -hmm. bring your sleeping bag and, right. and fresh pair Come of hang pants. Out with us. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> bring a pair for me too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but we're super excited about that. We think that that would be fun. We can even, you know, do a live feed while we're there. Um, make our, our end goal is to make this also a part of YouTube where you can watch um, and we can, you know, if we go, we, we do weird stuff all the time. Just, right. hey, let's go to this place. And then we could, you know, post that too. So we're excited about things to come. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. Definitely. So get in there and talk to us. Give us some yep. ideas and let us know if you want to meet up with us. Yes. We want to meet you. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to get into this craziness? Yeah. Um, so this story was suggested on Discord by one of our listeners. So shout out to Elsie. Thank you for the suggestion. We appreciate it and followed up immediately. Um, especially because for me, I've been meaning to watch this documentary, uh, just hadn't carved out the time yet. I don't get a lot of free time. <laughs> so, 
uh, this really prompted me to immediately go watch it. Um, so as soon as I saw that, I told Allie I was going to do the notes for it and I wanted to uh, get on there and, and watch it and then we would do an episode. And I remember the story being all over the news and, and having my opinions about it but you know just from a media perspective i didn't get all of the information um i didn't know what all was actually occurring with this story so i was kind of just probably more or less pulling my opinion what was being fed to me from what they were reporting and after reading some things and watching the documentary i can say my opinion has definitely changed or grown in some way um so my gut reaction was immediately that Michelle Carter, which is one of the people we'll be talking about, was just a terrible person and deserves to go to prison for a very long time. And I hated her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, after we talk, uh, you'll, I'm sure, hear my opinion throughout as we discuss the details of this story. Um, but this is all about the ill-fated relationship of Conrad Roy III and Michelle Carter. All right. So Conrad Roy III was born on September 12th, 1995. And, oh, Mata Posit. Yeah. That's right. I'm pretty sure. A plus. Looks right. Massachusetts. (laughs) Big words here, folks, already. In the spring of 2014, he had already been working with his family, which is his dad, grandpa, and his uncle, at the family's marine salvage business. He earned his captain's license from the Northeast Maritime Institute by completing three months of night classes. And that summer, he he graduated on the honor roll from the old Rochester Regional High School. He played baseball man, I can't talk today, road crew and ran track. He had a 3.88 GPA and had been accepted to Fitch State University to study business. So he was a smart guy. Yeah. And a lot going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at looking at this. So what that's, uh, 19, 19. Okay. Yeah. Something. Don't ask me no math questions. Right. Um, but like as an 18 or 19 year old, he already had his captain's license. He was doing night school to get that. He was doing all sorts of things within school and he had already been working for years at his family business. So lots of stuff going on for, for Mr. Conrad. Um, Michelle Carter was born on August 11th, 1996 in Plainville, Massachusetts. She attended Philip regional high school and, uh, she was voted most likely to brighten your day. Those in her town said she was a sweet, caring young woman. And that's what I got um, for her. I noticed while I was looking, as soon as I was typing up notes for Conrad, I'm like, oh, look at all the stuff that he has done. And then when you get over to Michelle, it's just a very limited Mm-hmm. amount of information on positive things about her yeah um so there's a narrative about michelle which i mean honestly it could all be true but is perpetuated again in every article that i could find about her and everything that i've had watched um they don't list her interests they don't talk about any awards she has they don't talk about any sports she played or any hobbies she had they all dive right into the fact that she had um disordered eating and she was a cutter 
and had a lot of attention seeking behaviors. So while I would love to start this out with the same kind of energy that we did for Conrad, um, we just couldn't find anything about it. There was just mm-hmm. like no information outside of the issues, you know, the teenage troubling issues that she had, um, illnesses and all that. So I don't know anything that she had accomplished in high school. Um, it just wasn't readily available. Um, it did say that she had few friends and a debilitating eating disorder. So they're painting a picture already. Right. And uh, Conrad and Michelle met in Florida in 2012 while they were visiting family. Uh, they were introduced via family friends and hit it off. After this initial meeting, however, they only got together in person five more times over the course of two years. They only lived 35 miles away from each other and they both had cars, but only got together those few times. Their relationship was mostly over phone and text message. And I think it's important to note that their relationship status is questionable throughout this time. The media often referred to them as boyfriend and girlfriend, but that didn't really seem to be the case here. And I have been, I've seen conflicting information, but in the end, the conclusion I draw is that they weren't officially together until the end, but it does seem that they did have a a relationship that they maintained and communicated rather frequently. They would make plans to meet up and then would back out at the last minute. They texted frequently. And when reading through some of their texts, you can see them sharing some pretty deep feelings. They talk about pain and sadness and loneliness. And I think that this has a lot to do with their age because whenever you're younger like that, you know, you get those, you're nervous. And especially if they both kind of have some issues with, you know, mental issues, they might, it might've just been too much for them to try to get together, but Mm -hmm. through text message, they could be themselves. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, having like the internet and being able to talk to people, but, and texting and, you know, knowing people and knowing people on sometimes like a more personal, deep level, but taking out the like face to faceness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just an interesting concept, especially with them, because it seems like there was like some, I don't know. I, I don't want to say this, but it like right outright, because I don't actually really know this, but it seems like maybe it was like a little bit of disassociated from like reality mm-hmm. with, with their relationship and with what they would talk about and how things proceeded um, throughout their relationship. So I don't know, it just seems like it really made it to where things weren't real or not being together all the time made it seem not all the way real. That could be, or sometimes whenever, you know, especially whenever you're really feeling those deep gritty, sometimes not pleasant things, it's hard to talk to somebody that you know very no. well that is a close friend because you want to protect them from all the things that you're feeling. Sometimes a stranger is the best person to really mm-hmm. be your true self and show how you feel, especially if that person is also feeding into having it and feelings. having the same things. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it a little bit easier. So, I think too, with that, like maybe you saying like they, like you want to protect the people that you know I think sometimes too it's protecting yourself Mm -hmm. 
Um, because after you say some things you feel or some things that has like things you're going through, it's not like you can take that back. And, uh, I think that can be scary sometimes for Mm -hmm. people to share with, with one another. So no, I agree. I agree with that too. Definitely. So in October of 2012, so this was, I think pretty soon after they had initially met, um, Conrad Roy tried to kill himself. He was hospitalized for an acetaminophen overdose. Prior to meeting Michelle, it was clear that he was going through a lot. Um, He struggled with social anxiety and depression and had been uh, to see several therapists and counselors. At the time of the suicide attempt, he had been taking Celexa, which is an antidepressant that includes a warning that it may increase suicidal thoughts in those under the age of 24. Um, so you can find videos of Conrad talking to the camera about his social anxiety and his feelings. And you can see some of that in the I Love You Now Die documentary. Mm-hmm. They, they share some of those. Um, so it's like videos he posted um, just talking about, you know, things that he was going through and how he's feeling about things. And then two, Conrad's, Conrad's parents had a divorce uh, right before this attempt, or at least I shouldn't say right before, but they had prior to the attempt, gotten a divorce. And at some point after this, his father had gotten into a physical altercation with him and hit him. And for me, in this documentary, the interview with his dad about that is one of the most like unsettling and bizarro things I think I've ever witnessed. <laughs> I remember I was texting you and I was like, this dude, is he for real right now? He said, yeah, I, I hit my kid and I do it again, basically. And um, like, seemed like he was totally fine about it and like no regrets. Well, maybe he's gotten over his grief. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> one or one of uh, either extreme, either you blame yourself for the rest of your life or you say, no, he deserved it. He totally deserved that. Maybe he did. I, maybe I, well, he did. I mean, he was a teenage boy, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's really. <laughs> yeah, not an appropriate thing to say, especially like no. in front of the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Try like, to think hey, it a little. <laughs> hey, HBO, I did it once and I'd do it again if he was still around. Like, it was just really odd. And I was pretty uncomfortable <laughs> with it. <laughs> so this just is kind of painting a picture that before Michelle was really involved, he was having a hard time. Yes. Uh, and Celexa, I mean, I, so I am on prescription medication for anxiety and depression and I was on Celexa. Um, and it does, and it sucks because you feel bad already. And then Mm -hmm. whenever you start a medication and, and most of the medication used for anxiety and depression will cause the same thing. So it's not just Celexa, it's pretty much all of them. And, and it sucks because you already, and I had issues whenever I was a teen, also very bad. And it was, they make you feel worse. And then you're like, well, I'm not going to take this if it makes me feel worse. And it's just like a, a vicious cycle that can be very dangerous. So if they make you feel worse, what do they improve? Well, it, it's because it, your body is adjusting to the medication. And then after a couple weeks, you, you're 
you're adjusted. Yeah. You're adjusted. Your levels are normal. And then you start calming down and some of that. Okay. So it can cause those kinds of thoughts or increase them, whatever, when you're first getting on it, but it shouldn't be an ongoing thing. Correct. Correct. It's like two weeks, I think is typically when they tell you that you can have increased side effects or mood swings or because they don't know how your body is going to react to it. Right. And it takes a while for everything to yeah. level out or yep. whatever. And typically okay. it's a smaller dose. Like they start you out on a smaller dose because they don't know how it's going to go. And mm-hmm. that's a hard thing too. Um, just talking personally because you all antidepressants are the same and they don't work for everyone. So you start out at a really small you know, dosage, then you have to get through the two weeks of crap and then they increase your dosage. And then it's, we'll do it a month and then we'll increase it again and then do it another month. And we'll, so it's a very, and then if that medication doesn't work, you have to start that process all over again with a new medication. So do you have those feelings every time they increase your dosage while you're, okay. Not not typically it's just the initial, but it's just you want to feel better so badly. And then to know that if this medication doesn't work, it's another two months possibly before I see if another one will work and it just continues. So it just really, I, I feel for him. I, I understand. Mm -hmm. And it just sucks that they don't have something better, like some magic pill, you know, that'll just, it won't take as long. Um, but a lot of people, and not even under the age of 24. I mean, a lot of people still struggle with that, especially first taking those medications. And I don't know if they, you know, that's just something that is on the bottle, but who reads the bottle? Right. Yeah. Um, And like who really, it's so dangerous. Cause like, I, I mean, I, I've never taken antidepressants or anything for anxiety I could probably use something for anxiety like now but Mm -hmm. I had never really experienced any of that before um so I can't speak from personal personal experience but I mean I know people that it has affected I I lost someone that I was one of my college roommates uh ended up dropping out of school a couple of years after she was my roommate and we had lost touch but she uh ended up committing suicide too mm-hmm. and in and we found out she had started I think they said she had started new depression medication and she had been drinking really heavily mm-hmm. um around that time and it's I don't know it is so scary that someone who's already having a hard time yeah is given <laughs> this medication that can make you not be yourself and make decisions that you you wouldn't typically make i mean it's it's kind of terrifying actually you, probably do more surrounding that yeah as far as like making sure people are are okay absolutely and and two at, at that age you know you're you're experimenting with things you're drinking because it's mm-hmm. fun and it's illegal and you're you know so that there in that time of your life because you're not supposed to drink on those medications and they can intensify the effects. So it's really just like a scary thunderdome. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I know, like, like I said, I haven't, I've never 
gotten seen for depression or anything like that. But I mean, I remember what it's like being a teenager, mm-hmm. being completely insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't control <laughs> what's happening in there. I mean, you just, right. everything is so emotional and you and you don't have life experience yet or any grip on what the real world is and I try like to bring it back to this particular topic um I tried to keep that in mind when I'm like reading through some of their like text messages and reading some of the stories and when I was watching the documentary tried to keep that in the back of my mind like what it was like being a teenager and not realizing like first of all you're going to have so many relationships with people and you are going to meet so many people and things are going to always get better. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, time and things change and seasons of lives and all of that. Those are things that you don't really know about when you're younger. Um, So I don't know. I, I, like I said, was trying to keep that in my mind when I was researching this and thinking Mm -hmm. about this. I would, you cannot pay me enough money to go back <laughs> there even with all the stress of being an adult and like all that stuff like no thanks yeah. I'm good <laughs> yeah no I don't think so either I mean I had a good time as a teenager for sure but I just I don't know I remember mm-hmm. being it's in- exhausting like, is that insane yeah having all those feelings all the time like mm-hmm. it's a lot too much and trying to like figure everything out now I feel like I've got not everything figured out but I know some stuff and yeah it's sorted some things right and I I mean just again having the realization that things always I mean my mom had told me this when I was younger things always get better when you feel like something is so bad and you can't handle it and you can't get past it it will get better. Mm-hmm. It will get better. And I have found that she is correct. Yep. <laughs> Your mom knows. Cool. She knows the things. <laughs> um, so I don't, yeah, a lot. In October of, um, nope. Oops, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> During the time that Michelle and Con- we talked too much. We got off topic during the time that Michelle and Conrad were talking. She discouraged him from hurting himself. She suggested he go get professional help and he, and try to overcome his feelings of depression and wanting to hurt himself. But something changed in 2014. She stopped trying to stop him and actually started to encourage him. Like she had decided this was the right thing for him to do. In the documentary, it basically shows a couple of texts where he suggested they be like Romeo and Juliet and him telling her if she ever told anyone about him wanting to kill himself, he would hate her forever. I think what happened is she decided she was not going to be able to talk him out of this or into getting any help He and didn't want him to hate her. And so she just played along with everything he said. Yeah, I mean it was a year and a half or longer of the same conversations. It kind of seemed like where Mm -hmm. they were talking about other things, talking about their feelings, talking about, you know, pain and like whatever, but also it was him always coming back saying like, I I'm going to do this. Yeah. You know, and you get, you, you get tired. Like, yeah. after that I mean anybody would probably get tired and she probably thought not that it makes it right or wrong but she she probably thought well he hasn't done it 
yet. So he probably won't. I mean, I think when all this went down, she did actually think he was going to. I think that she was fully aware of the fact that he was actually going to do this. But I think at some point, something like flipped for her. And she, I mean, I feel like she thought she was actually like helping. Helping him. Yeah. that's what he wanted to do. Right. And then two, some like some of it seems like she was doing it for attention. I mean, there's all sorts of angles, angles on this that you can take um, just from your own perspective and your own thoughts on how the human brain works, I mm-hmm. guess. But yeah, so on Sunday, July 13th, 2014, Conrad died by suicide. He died from carbon monoxide poisoning in his truck in the Kmart parking lot in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. The police found Conrad's dead phone and they took it. At some point, they charged the phone and were checking it when they found the text messages between Conrad and Michelle. And it was at this point that they realized that this was more than just a simple suicide. This was something more than that. And they ended up getting all of the texts and the call records and all of those things from the, the phone company. And um, on February 4th, 2015, so that's a while. Yeah, like, months, yeah, quite, yeah. Um, Michelle was indicted, then arraigned in New Bedford Juvenile Court in Taunton, Massachusetts on charges of involuntary manslaughter. And the grand jury found enough evidence to charge her with wantonly and recklessly assisting the suicide. She was 17 years old at the time, and the court indicated, or indicted, indicted, yes, indicted her as a youthful offender instead of a juvenile, which means that she could be sentenced as an adult. Wow. Yeah. She was shocked. I'm sure. And two, like, and again, in the documentary, one of the cops that found the text messages was talking about it. And it, he almost made it sound like it was something that was potentially almost looked over. Like they mm-hmm. didn't feel a need to like go into this any further because it was clearly a suicide. He had left a lot of indications, a lot of notes, had a history, did all of these things. And, um, until they looked at that phone, they really didn't think anything more past that. Almost got away with it. Almost. I bet his mom would have looked at that phone though or something. You know? Oh yeah. It would have been found eventually, whether it be from yeah his parents or the cops, but yeah. In June, 2015, a district court judge denied a defense motion to remove the Bristol County district's attorney's office from the prosecution The defense argued the DA, Thomas M. Quinn III, should be removed because he is first cousin to Roy's grandmother, Janice Roy, and therefore Conrad's first cousin twice removed. Wow. Family. Family. However, Quinn had already handed the case over to his deputy DA, William McCauley. On July 1st, 2016, an appeal to the grand jury indictment heard by the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court was also denied, allowing the case to go forward. Justice Robert J. Cordy, writing for the unanimous court, found there was probable cause to sustain the manslaughter indictment. 
On May on Monday, June 5th, 2017, the day before the trial was scheduled to begin, Carter waived her right to jury trial. Therefore, the case was heard by Judge Lawrence Moniz in the Bristol County Juvenile Court of Massachusetts in Taunton. Carter was represented by Joseph P. Cataldo and Corey Madre, and there was limited legal pre- precedent for prosecuting the encouragement of suicide. Because, yeah, I'm sure mm-hmm. this doesn't happen very often, no. or mm-hmm. it's found very often, I guess I should say. Cataldo initially asked a Taunton juvenile court judge for a summary dismissal, arguing that Carter's texts were protected under the First Amendment and that the text history showed that Roy had been contemplating suicide without Carter's input. But the judge declined this motion. Yeah. So there's a couple of things in there. First of all, the district court judge was going to let family prosecute her, which seems like, are you allowed to do that? Like, I don't think so. Right. I wouldn't think. Um, Luckily, it already handed the case over anyways. Uh, But then two, the. um, What was I going to say? Oh, Michelle Carter waving her right to jury trial what yeah. do you think about that i think she knew that the people would try to hang her yeah i mean, I mean 100%, it sounds 100%. bad because so did we <laughs> yeah you know? well yes and two like as a jury those people don't know like i don't know the law yeah and there's not any laws that say you can't tell people to go kill themselves. Yeah. Like there's nothing there. She didn't go force him. She didn't physically force him to do this. So, or threat, she didn't even threaten him. You know, no. it was just like, yeah. Go ahead. That sounds like a good idea. You should do that. Yep. Uh, so there's nothing, no, nothing has happened before this that in the court of law to lay this down. So yeah, it's, I don't know. So on, and then two thinking about the years, this is like two years, like two years have passed. Yeah. Three, yeah. Cause almost. it happened in 2012. Yeah. So himself. she's like, she's like growing up from a 17 year old to an adult while all of this is going on. She's being like crucified. Oh yeah. Oh in yeah. Media. Um, so that, I don't know. That must have been very difficult for her not to downplay anything else. But like that, that would be a lot. Um, on June 16th, 2017, Judge Lawrence Moniz of the Bristol Court Juvenile Court of Massachusetts in Taunton found Carter guilty of involuntary manslaughter. He stated prior to his ruling that it was Carter's phone calls with Roy when he was in the truck gassing himself, as described by Carter's text to friends rather than the preceding text messages that caused him to go through with killing himself. Judge Monis found that Roy had broken the chain of self-causation towards his suicide when he exited the truck. So um, at one point, while he was in the process of committing suicide, he got out of his truck and he called Michelle. And he talked to her for 45 minutes. Yeah. And then he got back in his truck. That looks not good. No. So what the judge is saying is all of the text messages are like, whatever, of her saying, yeah, go ahead, kill yourself, you should do that. When are you going to do it? 
blah, blah, blah. None of that really mattered. It was the phone call that they had that cut the line of it being Conrad's decision without anything else. And then it, it put the causation back over to, to Michelle is what he was saying. So, um, where am I at? Oh, so when he exited the truck and called her, that is Carter's wanton and reckless encouragement to then return to the truck that caused his death. And after the guilty verdict, Roy's father stated publicly that the family was pleased with the verdict, but that they wanted privacy and time to process the events. And then Lynn Roy, his ex-wife and, and Conrad's mom, appeared on CBS 48 Hours saying she didn't believe Carter had a conscience and that she knew exactly what she was doing. So Carter remained free on bail pending her sentence. And on August 3rd, 2017, Judge Lawrence Monis sentenced Carter to serve a two and a half year term with 15 months to be served in the Bristol County House of Corrections. The rest of the balance suspended and five years of probation to be served. Uh, soon after the sentencing was handed down, Carter's lawyers asked the judge to issue a stay of the sentence until all of Carter's Massachusetts Court of Appeals options were exhausted. So she's still not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, he said, that's fine. Uh, the stay with conditions that Carter had to stay away from the Roy family while she was out. So that was it. Just she didn't have to go start serving her sentence until all of her court appeals options were exhausted. Which is, I mean, best case scenario for her. Yeah, if any of them work in her yeah. favor. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just extending your punishment. Yeah, right? that's true. Well, I mean, but you're out, though. I feel like yeah, but while you're waiting to go in, yeah, like yeah. what if this doesn't work? So you're spending all this time out, but can you really truly live a full life with that hanging over your head, knowing that you could go to jail the next, you know, I don't know when, but like, yeah. I would, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. I would just rather get it over with. Right. <laughs> like, so she was now. like, but that just means that she was, or her defendant, whoever was banking on the fact that they thought she wasn't going to end up going. They right. thought one of these appeals was going to work enough to do that. Yeah. On February 6, 2019, the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court ruled that Carter acted with criminal intent when she encouraged Roy into suicide, though her involuntary manslaughter conviction was ordered to stand and that Carter's 15-month prison sentence would be enforced in the near future. The rest of the two-and-a-half-year sentence was suspended, followed by the five years of probation. Under order from the Massachusetts judge, Carter began serving her 15-month sentence on February 11, 2019. Carter has requested a parole hearing, early, uh, hearing for early release, but the parole board denied the request on September 20, 2019. Meanwhile, Carter's lawyers petitioned the case to the Supreme Court of the United States, and in July 2019, based upon the First Amendment and the Fifth Amendment grounds, Carter's defense lawyers argued that Roy had a history of suicide attempts, which he did, and the decision to end his own, uh, his life was his own, that Carter was bewildered over the case against her and that taking all the text in context, she tried to talk him out of it. 
They argued in initial hearings that the defendant had broken no law and had a First Amendment right to free speech, and at the time she was a juvenile. The Supreme Court declined to hear the case in January 2020, leaving in place the Massachusetts Supreme Court conviction. And I think she was kind of, this is a, a, she was gaslighted. Like, I, I feel like this was the first kind of trial like this. Yeah. And it needed to be an, an example needed to be set. However, you're convicted with involuntary manslaughter. A 15 month sentence is not very, very long. long. No. no. So I don't know if they just felt like because it was in such a public view that if they didn't act, they would get crucified. You know what I mean? Crucified. Like if they decision. didn't take it to the Supreme. Oh, are you saying the Supreme Court didn't take it because of that? Or no, I think that they gave her, they gave, they, they convicted her of it because oh. of that. Yeah. Maybe because of like public opinion. Uh-huh. They would have had to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know what the thought process was there. I mean, you, you can see it. And again, you can hear what the judge that made this decision said. Um, but again, he said it wasn't from the text messages. Yeah. So it was from that phone call that occurred that they don't have recorded. Right. Just that so, a phone call happened. Exactly. Right. So on January 23rd, 2020, Carter was released early from prison more than three months before her sentence ended due to good conduct. So she was in there for 12 months. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts state law allows inmates to reduce their sentences by 10 days per month for exemplary behavior. Carter served 11 months and 12 days of her 15-month sentence. The case is expected by some to set a legal precedent regarding, as Ray Sanchez and Natisha Lance of CNN put it, whether it's a crime to tell someone to commit suicide. Sanchez and Lance also stated that the ruling may spur lawmakers to codify the behavior highlighted in the case as criminal. The judge noted that Carter had willed Roy's death, that she did not order him out of the truck, and that her actions put him in that toxic environment, which constituted reckless conduct, and that the conduct caused the death of Mr. Roy. While U.S. law does not allow the lower court decision to bind other courts, legal professionals believe it could have a social effect by raising other courts' attention to new digital methods of committing crimes. So the case also attempts to redefine the social spectrum and which attitudes and behaviors would qualify as criminal that were not considered criminal before. Hey, okay. I'm about to lay down my opinion. Lay it down, sister. And it's probably going to be unpopular. However. Yeah. Whenever, because I watched this documentary too. It's been a while. It's been probably six months since I saw it. Whenever it first came out on HBO, I watched it. Yeah. And I had the same thought whenever I heard about this case. I was like, what a freaking monster, man. She's a monster. Total she deserves monster, the, right? the death penalty. Let's just Light her hang up. her up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's, let's, and so in the, the documentary, the first half of the documentary, I still felt that way. And then in the second half of the documentary, I was like, holy shit. Like, it, they even bring up in that documentary, I remember, about, like, even Conrad kind of brainwashing her 
to just go along with what he was saying. We know that he had mental issues prior to. If that's the case, then there are a million people on Facebook right now who are mean as hell that probably deserve an involuntary manslaughter conviction. Yeah. I mean, it really opens the gates for all sorts of things. And yeah, it gets very sticky very quick. I mean, these were, this was, these were two children. I mean, they Mm -hmm. were older teenagers, but still, I mean, kids that both had mental illnesses and were struggling. Yep. And I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, the first half, I'm like, yeah, this still doesn't look great for that girl. But then they really go into, you know, her not having friends and she was also on depression medication Mm -hmm. and just having a lot of, you know, the things that have, I don't know, things that have happened to her, whatever, just her state of being was not well. Right. So to turn around and say like these two unwell people got together and it's her fault that this happened is really brings it into question for me. Well, you have control of your own body. Yes. She did not start the truck. She did not help him buy anything. She, you know what I mean? Like it's not like this is Saul and she was asking, let's play a game. And he had to make a decision this was his decision. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and it's unpopular because whenever you glance at the surface of this thing, she is portrayed as the devil. I mean, right. Yeah. And, and that's going to follow her as far as I'm concerned, you know, Conrad, Forever. he's, yeah, he's, he is passed and that is so sad. Mm-hmm. And I think instead of trying to convict somebody of a crime, they didn't commit because it doesn't exist is yeah, to talk about mental illness. help yeah yeah yes i and that is exactly i mean it's sad because this social conversation uh that sparred from this entire case was all about like her being the bad person mm-hmm. and like pictures of her like not caring and look how evil she is when you're exactly right what a missed opportunity for the entire you know population to be having a better conversation about mental illness specifically in young people absolutely you know like it is it is completely missed on people and you know whose fault that is the media's Mm -hmm. (laughs) they should have done their jobs on this Mm -hmm. Uh, they would have had a a better story i mean uh, a better that could possibly save lives instead of ruin another child's right and like obviously i and i know you too do not agree with the decisions that she made and would not have done the same thing but you know Again, she was unwell. Well, and she needed help. Unfortunately, it's not illegal to be an asshole. And she was a little bit of an asshole. I mean, a big asshole. Right. Yeah. And it's not illegal. I wish it was sometimes. But Mm -hmm. you can't. There would be so. We would need to build so many more prisons. If. It wasn't even. You know, this wasn't even like a. um, Her 
like with your example on social media, like it's not like she was trolling this guy. They were in a type of relationship. They were voluntarily having these conversations mm-hmm. with one another. And yep. honestly, he freaking started it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so and I, like I do think that the prior attempts is a big big thing too, because it's not like she put these thoughts in his head. Right. And and I'm not blaming the parents because a lot of people like to do that, blaming the parents. But, you know, it, it, it's you have to pay attention and try. And I it seemed like they were trying with the, the pills and things like that. But you can't place your blame or, or the blame of, of Conrad's on anybody else but his own self. Right. And like, as a parent, I will say if I, my kid committed suicide and I found on their phone that somebody was encouraging them, oh, I would straight freaking murder their butts. But that is just the parent who is emotional and feeling the feelings, right? Yeah. It was I a witch don't. hunt. It was somebody to blame yeah. other than, and in, it's the Instead same of thing. Looking like, at the facts. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Like whenever you hear about these people that their loved ones commit suicide and they move the body and they try to make it look like something natural or they fell off a ladder or what, whatever the case may be, um, because they don't want that stigma attached to them. And I think mm-hmm. this is just her trying to take blame off of her child who she loved mm-hmm. so it wasn't his fault but unfortunately he he made the decision and now other people have to live with it yeah and I mean I think in this case like the fallout uh from what has happened and then the time that she has already served for this I mean this was like five or six years of her life and now this is over so a 15 month sentence ended up being six years of going through it you know for her and would you hire her no (laughs) no no i would would not are you kidding me no Would you want her making you a sandwich at mcdonald's i mean no no and i wouldn't want to know her you know so and everybody knows her face Oh yeah. I mean, okay, maybe not everybody. We might be a little bit more into it than some people, but like, where are you gonna go, sister? Somebody's right. gonna recognize you. You better. Go I mean, to the you moon. can't run away from night. They're gonna face your face done or something. I don't know. Like, so it's, it's not just even the six years. It's the rest of her life. The rest of her life. Yeah. So I don't know. Think about things you're doing when you're a teenager. You should have blown the whistle on this kid and said, "Hey, this guy needs help." Yeah. Also, I do too. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So I pulled, I pulled some of the text messages, just, you know, the ones that I pulled between Michelle and Conrad are like leading up to the, his suicide. So it doesn't again, take into context the fact that they were text messaging, like almost on a daily basis at some point um, for like two years before this and those weren't all like this they were him saying things and her saying you you should you know tell somebody mm-hmm. you should try to get some help yep whatever i love you and I, I think you should take care of yourself you know those kinds of things were happening for a long time before this kind of conversation started but this is just to show like what that cop saw when he opened the phone and started sure. scrolling back this is what he saw 
Uh, how do you want to read these? Do you want me to read like as Conrad and you read as Michelle? Me read as Michelle? Yeah. Or okay. the other way around. Whatever yeah, that's you fine. Do. I'll be Michelle. Okay. How was your day? When are you doing it? Since you don't get your Snapchat anymore, I sent them to you. My day was good. That's great. What'd you do? Ended up just going to work for a little bit, then looked stuff up. When are you going to do it? Stop ignoring the question. You can't think about it. You just have to do it. You said you were going to do it. Like, I don't get why you aren't. I don't get it either. I don't know. That looks bad. Not good. Yeah. No, she seems aggressive about mm -hmm. it. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So it continues and says, I'm happy to hear that. I'm ready. Good. Because it's time. You know that when you get back from the beach, you just got to do it. It's the best time to do it. Are you back? No more thinking. Yes. No more thinking. You just have to do it. No more waiting. On way back. I know where to go now. Where? Kmart parking lot. So these aren't all in a row, but yeah, this is the way their conversations were going, going up into this. I don't know. I'm freaking out again. I thought you wanted to do this. The time is right and you're ready. I thought you were actually going to do it, but now you've just made me feel played and just stupid. I do want to, but I'm just freaking out for my family, I guess. Conrad, I told you I'd take care of them. People who commit suicide don't think this much. They can just do it. I know. I know. LOL. Thinking just drives me more crazy. You just need to do it, Conrad. Okay, I'm going to do it today. Promise? Not good. Not good. No, and, and like super effed up. Yeah. Like, and again, these are the conversations that people were seeing. So like I saw some of that from the beginning and mm -hmm. of course I was like what the hell what the hell yeah like what is wrong with this girl which still I think that sure <laughs> I mean yeah it doesn't but a little more context helps yeah in fully forming an opinion so again those are the conversations that they were having those are the text messages that the judge saw that people saw and they did not convict her on these those right. were not the problem the problem was he got out of his truck and called her and it showed on the call record that there was a 45 minute call between them and these text messages that we're going to read now um, are what they convicted her on. And these text messages were text messages she sent to a girl named Sam Boardman, which is one of her, I'm going to say friends, but I'm going to use it like with quotes around it. Because Sam herself had said that they weren't like close friends. They didn't hang out on the weekends. They just, you know, whatever. And Sam had said that Michelle texted a lot of people like aggressively trying to be best friends with them. Well, and didn't she, and I can't remember because it's been a while. So correct me if I'm wrong, but is she also the one, didn't she say that like she, she would lie also like you couldn't really believe what she was saying all the time because yeah. she just kind of created these outlandish stories. Right. To like, see what people would happen. say. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she probably didn't think yeah. this was real. I don't know. No, probably not the Sam Boardman person. No, yeah. she probably didn't think this was real. 
Um, so Michelle texted her and said, Sam, he just called me and there was a loud noise like a motor and I heard moaning like someone was in pain and he wouldn't answer when I said his name. I stayed on the phone for like 20 minutes and that's all I heard. I think he just killed himself. So that was a series that she had sent um, Boardman and I'm pretty sure that that was before he actually committed suicide. Um, but then in the days after, oh, actually, no, I think that was part of it. So I think they used that to, um, to use it as like an uncorroborated confession. Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of what they convicted her, that involuntary manslaughter. And then in the days after Conrad's death, Carter continued to text Boardman and say things like this. Said, Sam, his death is my fault. Like, honestly, I could have stopped him. I was on the phone with him and he got out of the car because it was working and he got scared and I fucking told him to get back in. Not good. No. Not good. No. Nope. And how would you take this as poor Sam? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would be like, who? Like, like, I need a restraining order that. now. Like, yeah, and what do you what do you say back to that? Like, uh, not LOL. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> probably like no TFO. Yeah, like, uh, what, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Um, she said some other things too. She said, "Sam, because I knew he would do it all over again the next day, and I couldn't have him live the way he was living anymore. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't let him." And then she said, "I just got off the phone with Conrad's mom about twenty minutes ago." And she told me that detectives had to come and go through his things and stuff. It's something they have to do with suicides and homicides. And she said they have to go through his phone and see if anyone encouraged him to do it on texts and stuff. Sam, if they read my messages with him, I'm done. His family will hate me and I could go to jail. Mm, foreshadowing. Yeah, I mean, I guess she kind of knew where that was going. But why? I. so this is part of why I'm like, she has had to have had like a disassociation from reality because mm -hmm. if I did something super effed up, I mean, I'm not texting my not friend. Right. To tell on your telling them. Yeah. <laughs> that I did all these things. Like, I don't know. It just seems like she just had a mental break going on kind of to me. Yeah. I, I think. Know. Yeah. And, and two, like whenever, because I feel they were so connected with each other. And then even for her, she doesn't have anybody to text anymore. Like he yeah. was probably it. So mm -hmm. she had nobody. So it's not super shocking that she would reach out to somebody who she maybe in her fake fairy tale land thought was her friend. Yeah. Because she didn't have anybody else to talk to. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's some true. heavy shit. And that's hard. And that's something like you and I will never understand because right. we've always had one another. Yeah. And, and we're very lucky for that because this oh, yeah. is so sad. I mean, it's sad it that you can't, you don't find that connection with a human being to be uh -huh. able to share. I can tell you anything. Right. Anything. Right. You might not like it. And it isn't going to be that I or, tried to, I told somebody to kill themselves, but right. You know, it will never it, be that. It will so. never be that. You're not, you don't have to worry. Right. It, it's just, it's hard to put yourself. It is. You always want to try to put them yourself in their shoes. 
but sometimes you yeah. can't. In this instance, it's really difficult. That's why, like I said, I'm trying to remember being a teenager. I'm trying to remember that. And then two, trying to keep in mind, like, this girl didn't have my mom. Tell yeah. you that right now. She didn't have yeah. my mom. And she didn't have you. Yeah. And I've had you and my mom since I was a forever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. since I had any feelings of not feeling good, I've always had both of you guys. So it's like, I have no idea what it's like to not have someone. And I feel like you said, so lucky to never have felt that. But I try to remember that in some of like the decisions she did, mm -hmm. made and some of the things that she was doing. It's like, she didn't have a touch base, you know, like a back to reality place. Exactly. Because even if you have somebody, if you have a friend, not all friends are good friends. And yeah, if you're true. toxic with each other, like that is even a Worse. bigger recipe for disaster because you're not bringing each other down. You're hyping each other up. And yeah. we are also lucky if I'm going to make a stupid decision, I'll probably tell you and you're going to be like, you're dumb. Don't do that. Right. And yeah. then I'll be like, I'll be mad, but I'll be like later I'll, I'll uh, admit that you were right. <laughs> yeah. So Sometimes I think you do it anyways. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Like you and I have always been very honest with one another and it's fine. Like, it's fine. Yeah. And that's so important to have somebody you can be honest to. And like, if this was going on in either of our lives, we would have told the other person like early on, like, Hey, like, the guy I'm talking to is saying some stuff and I'm concerned. Right. And we would have had a soundboard. Exactly. Or even if it somehow got to this point and mm -hmm. I told you, Hey, I texted somebody that they should kill themselves and then they did it you would probably say you should go to the, you need to go to the police. Like right. you need to go yeah. to the police. Right. And if she would have gone to the police, you know what? I bet this would not have been the same mm -hmm. media Blah. In insanity that it was. Yeah. But what did we learn from this? We learned don't tell people to kill themselves because you're, that makes you an asshole. A total asshole. Don't do that. Ever. Have have friends that are good for you. Mm -hmm. That yeah, will find those keep people you... to connect to. Yep, it's very important. Number yeah. three, suicide is final. So and never the answer. Never the answer. If you're struggling, you can call the suicide hotline. You can message mm -hmm. Rachel or I. We mm -hmm. will we will talk to you. We will be your friend. You're not alone. No, nope. it'll all be okay. And yep. we are family. We are this podcast. It's true. And I don't, I, I am really torn. On, I know on this I'm torn. I'm torn. Oh my. So I hate I. it. Yeah. Cause my I full opinion just... didn't change my full opinion of, you know, she's not cool and yeah. I don't like this still the same. Well, it but... sounds like what needed to happen was that she needed to be housed in maybe like a psychiatric place to because to be able to do that to somebody and like go along with it something's not right in there and they need to figure out what it is so then mm -hmm. she can reintegrate into society because who knows in a couple years we could do another story on her for you know if i don't know i hope not i hope I not hope she too. got the help she needed while she was in this five or six year holding Thing. space i hope she was working on her mental health and working towards getting better like, and hopefully i hopefully to hope that for her 
And hopefully it scared the shit out of her. Yeah, I because hope so. she could have been gone forever. I mean, yeah. they could have put her away 25 to life. Absolutely. So let's end this on a positive note. I love positive uh, notes. The Captain Conrad H. Roy III scholarship at the Northeast Maritime Institute was established in Conrad's memory. So his memory will live on through the scholarship and doing good in the world. Good. That so, is that is a positive note. Yeah. There always is one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to dig real deep to find them. Right. So our, cite, cite our sources. Yep. Right. Our sources. Um, oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Okay. Our sources for this is I Love You Now Die, which is on HBO we talked about. I highly suggest you watch it. I would love to know what your thoughts are on it. I feel like this is going to maybe explode a little bit because people have hardcore opinions, which mm-hmm. you have every right Share to. Them. I want to hear yeah. them. I yeah. would love to have conversation about this because, yeah. you know, we're always open for growth over here. Absolutely. Uh, maryclaire.com oxygen.com and wikipedia.com yep. so we hope you enjoyed this episode number 68 i love you now die and we share will your s- opinions yeah share share oh, join us on discord we can talk yeah. about everybody can talk about it we'll create a channel yeah all right let's do it <laughs> all right have a good week and we will see you next time bye bye